This is Wilderness and Wildlife, presented by the Gallatin Wildlife Association in Bozeman, Montana. This is a half-hour program featuring commentaries and interviews with wildlife and wilderness advocates relating to the unique natural environment that we enjoy in the wildlands of the West and across America. I'm your host, Jay Shell. Our guest today is Janine Kimball, Visitor Services Manager of the Sevieta National Wildlife Refuge, 20 miles north of Socorro, New Mexico, in the Chihuahuan Desert, south of Albuquerque. Janine is a native New Mexican. She grew up in the Four Corners area, and she's worked for the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service since 2002, including nearly seven years at Rocky Mountain Arsenal National Wildlife Refuge in Denver. Janine enjoys spending time in the outdoors and sharing her love of nature with others. So welcome, Janine. It's great to be talking with you, and I'm looking forward to our interview today. So, Thanks, Jay. I appreciate you having me. How are you today? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Okay. Is it hot down there? Yep. It looks like we might get some afternoon monsoons, which will be oh. a nice reprieve from the heat we've been having. How high has it gotten? Um, It's been triple digits ah. here in the past few weeks so it's been pretty warm but here the past oh i don't know maybe two weeks we've had afternoon thunderstorms most afternoons which has been a blessing oh yeah right a little bit so it's uh, nice to see the desert turn from brown to green <laughs> well but it is yeah <laughs> so uh tell us about the wildlife refuge how big is it so Sevieta National Wildlife Refuge is 229,674 acres. Uh-huh. Um, it's the largest national wildlife refuge in New Mexico and the eighth largest in the lower 48. Wow. We're roughly 30 miles wide by 18 miles deep. We're bisected by I-25 and also the Rio Grande. Uh-huh. Rio Grande runs north-south through the refuge. Is that right? That is correct, John, for uh-huh. today. And you got another river, too, the Rio Salado? Yeah, the Rio Salado is a, a seasonal seasonal stream that runs when we have lots of um, lots of rain upstream. And there are some places that have water most of the year. And there's also quicksand out there, believe it or not. Uh-huh. And uh, you ever get caught in the quicksand? <laughs> um... I've had a cow in front of me step in it, but um, I've, I've had issues just walking in it, but no vehicle issues. So it's, it's quite interesting, to say the least. Yeah. Can you tell from a distance uh, that it's quicksand? Um, I'm not an expert enough to yet, but I know there are some people that, that can. Yeah, all right. And uh, I just try and stay out of areas when it's been wet. <laughs> right, yeah. So tell us about the... Uh, Tell us about the history of the refuge. Well, Sevieta National Wildlife Refuge has a rich and interesting history. We go back to 10,000 years when humans first inhabited this area, and that would be the Piro Native Americans. Um, they lived here in villages, um, pueblos along along the river, adjacent to the river, and, and cultivated farms and, and lived a very peaceful um, lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And then um, in 1598, the El Camino Real, or the Royal Road from Mexico City to Santa Fe, was blazed uh-huh. when they started exploring the area. And at that time, that 
pushed out the P. Rose into other areas and land grants were eventually established. And when Mexico achieved independence from Spain, land grants were awarded. Um, people started, you know, moving to the area. And the area changed hands between Mexico and Spain and in 1912 when New Mexico gained its statehood. Um, then it, the land grant was taxes needed to be paid on it, and that wasn't going to happen. So it was acquired by um, a gentleman by the name of Thomas Campbell. I think there were about $23,000 owed in back taxes on, on about 200,000 acres out here. Uh-huh. And um, in 1936, Tam- Thomas Campbell bought this property um, for just under $77,000. And it was about 216,000 acres at the time. Um, the refuge has acquired more property. The Fish and Wildlife's acquired property to add to the refuge system to make this land chunk a little bit larger. Um, and so the refuge was established in 1973. So from 1936 to 1973, it was used as a cattle ranch. Uh-huh. And so there was lots of livestock. It was overgrazed. And so there are places where you can see where, you know, the ca- the cattle have been primarily removed from the landscape. And when I say primarily, we have approximately 180 miles of fence. And a lot of our largest neighboring landowner is BLM and they allow grazing. And so as you can imagine, we have trespass cattle issues. And when we have lots of rain, we have fence issues and cows can get on the site. So... Um, we're still working on ensuring cows are off of the landscape. So there are grasslands that can be grazed, or have there been sheep on the property at all? When when Campbell was leasing it, yes, there were people who they did cattle, sheep, they did whatever they could to to get by. Mm-hmm. What's the chart? and there's line shacks out there with wells, so when they were moving their sheep or cattle across the landscape, they had a place to rest their head and water their animals. Uh huh. So what's the terrain like? Is it diverse? Or is the terrain is, yes, it, it is very diverse. Um, elevation along the river is about 4,800, and it's a cottonwood forest. Then our highest elevation is probably 8,500. It's mm. pretty rugged rugged terrain. Mm-hmm. We are the southern extent of the um, short grass prairie, so we do have some flat lands out there, but we also have some rugged terrain. And so that's one of the things that makes Seviesa very unique is not only is it diverse in its landforms, landscapes, but also wildlife species. Um, we have 89 species of mammals that call this refuge home, 266 species of birds that call this refuge home, um, 15 species of amphibians, 51 species of reptiles, and over 1,200 plants. I saw on the I saw on the website that uh, there are four biomes that are identified: uh, pina, juniper, woodlands, Colorado plateau shrub, Chihuahuan desert, Great Plains grasslands. So apparently, it's quite diverse. Yes, it is very diverse, and it's wonderful when they all come together and you see the diversity of wildlife and plants. Um, I mentioned animal diversity. Um, insects are, are a whole other thing. Um, we we have a lot of research that goes on out here, and so we know, you know, bees. There's 150 species of bees here on the refuge. Who really would have 
saw that many different bees in the desert. Over 70 different species of butterflies and over 206 moth species. Wow. Uh, so it's diverse. Well, there's been a problem with bees. Are, are, you in the, are you finding that to be the case there, or is that just elsewhere? I, I'm sure it's everywhere. Um, yeah, we do have 150 species of bees, but this research on bees began really in 2001. So what were the numbers before 2001? Uh-huh. Yeah. That, that's really where, you know, the question lies. I mean, one species that we do know that has significantly declined about 90% over the past 20 years is monarchs. Right. Um, so we also participate in Southwest Monarch Association's monarch tagging so we can help understand where these monarchs migrate to. We are the only refuge in New Mexico that participates in the North American Butterfly Count as well, um, which is is a lot of fun to go out and, and chase butterflies and, and learn about them and identify them. Well, the refuge, uh, the refuge is uh, not fully open to the public, isn't that right? So uh, I guess research is done in some of the protected areas. That is correct, John. We have limited access on the refuge because of multiple reasons. One, we are the only national wildlife refuge that is an LTER site, which is long-term ecological research. We've partnered with the University of New Mexico, and they've partnered with National Science Foundation to have a, a Seviesa LTER. And so there's a lot of research out there on the landscape that helps better understand climate change and plant and animal interactions with climate change. And so in order to protect scientific integrity, we have access limited to the general public, as well as we are home to the captive acclimation facility for the endangered Mexican gray wolf. This is a very controversial species here in this neck of the woods, so we have secure access on the refuge to ensure we have no problems. So can, can other entities come in and uh, do research besides the University of New Mexico? Yes, it's not just the University of New Mexico. Any any individual wanting to do research can submit an application to the refuge to do research. And if they're awarded, they get the opportunity to go out there and, and work on the ground and, and learn stuff about the landscape and the species that live here. Um, I, I don't want to say the refuge is closed because I do offer opportunities for the public to come out and explore the refuge and learn a little bit about it. It's just limited access. We're a small staff. We have few vehicles. And the refuge is a ginormous place, like I mentioned, 229,674 acres. So we do provide opportunities for the public to go out with the staff or, and our volunteers to learn about the landscape and take in the beauty that that is here at Sevieta. And there's a field station. Is that available to all the research parties? Um, that's something that is more specific to the university because they are the managers of it. But, uh -huh. you know, when if you work with them and you have a research permit, I'm sure they are amenable to working with you. Do they use volunteers? Can you go out and volunteer? Um, the the refuge uses volunteers. The re volunteers are the lifeblood of the refuge system. Um, they help us keep our doors open and greet visitors and answer the phones and, and pretty much help us do everything except fighting fire and law enforcement. And at, here at Sevieta, we do have um, three RV pads for volunteers to park for at a minimum of three months and, and volunteer 24 hours a week and help the refuge out. Um, and so it's wonderful. I, I've had volunteers from all over the country 
um, show up to help us. Um, I have a lot of new volunteers, and then I have a lot of volunteers who've been here before because they like it so much they want to come back. Uh Now, I-20 Thrive runs down uh, through the refuge. Does it essentially parallel the uh, Rio Grande? Pretty much, yeah, it does. It parallels the Rio Grande pretty much. So, does does the presence of the highway cause problems? Um, <laughs> you know, not, not a whole lot. I mean, there's going to be some some collision issues with wildlife and um, vehicle accidents. You know, the last week we had a um, livestock trailer overturn, and there's a rogue cow running around the footprint of my visitor center headquarters right now. Mm. So, y- yeah, small problems, but nothing that's really major, nothing that we can't deal with. And the the rail line runs down through the refuge, too. Is it Does it also parallel the river? It does. It runs parallel to the river as well, and um, we have had very few issues here on this refuge with um, issues with the train. It's generally, you know, it, it hasn't hit any animals uh-huh. or caused any other damage or, or jumped the tracks on Sevieta. So what, Knock on wood. <laughs> what public facilities are available in the refuge? So we have a visitor center that's open right now Wednesday through Friday. The public can come in and learn about the refuge. The theme of the visitor center is bringing the outside in. You know, we mentioned the limited access on the refuge, so we want people to learn as much as they can inside. And I have several trails that the public can go out and enjoy. Some of them are right adjacent to the visitor center, and some of them are down by the river along um, along our wetland areas. That's really nice in the summertime because there's going to be a diversity of birds down there as well. And uh, how, my, how, how, how much road uh, system is there in the refuge? Um, probably close to 180 miles that we maintain. Wow. Well, that's a lot. Yeah, it's been very diverse, right. Right. Well, for, since you have protected areas, that's, that's quite a bit that you have available to the public, but, uh. No, no, that, those, those 180 miles are not available to the public. Oh, I. Those are roads that we have on the refuge for us to get to where different locations and researchers to get to locations. The public accesses those roads only in their, if they're in a government vehicle going on one of our tours. It's not part of our auto tour route. I see. So, and then, then you have hiking trails in the refuge. Yes, that is correct. Some of them are adjacent to the visitor center and some of them are down by the wetlands. And all in all, there's probably close to maybe 10, 11 miles of trails. Uh-huh. Oh, that's great. Okay, and uh, so where do, where do they lead? Um, they A lot of them are loop trails, so they lead right back, but they take you up on a high mesa to overlook the wetlands and and look at the Ladrone, one of the beautiful mountains that we have in the northwest corner of the refuge. Um, the ones in the wetlands are birding trails. They walk around areas that are real birdy, um, where we have a lot of birds hang out. And, and they're primarily just loops, you know, doing circles from point A to point B, um, providing opportunities for the public to get out and, and look for a diversity of species. Is there any climbing access in the uh, in the mountains? No. Okay. And uh, uh, how about indigenous tribal involvement? Uh, do you 
do you have relationships to some of the Pueblos uh, nearby? So we have the Alamo sect of the Navajo reservation to the west of us, and then we have Isleta to the north of us. And and we deal a lot more with Isleta. Um, They do a lot of outreach, and we try and participate in that because they're real close to us. Um, I haven't really done any anything with the schools up in Alamo because it is a little bit of a distance from here. <coughs> but the tribe that um, was on the refuge before establishment was the Piro, and they're they're not a, a nationally recognized tribe. Right. Yeah. So, uh, what are they? Are they a Pueblo people or? They were a Pueblo people, yes. And then they dispersed when when the Spanish came, and you know. I met with some of them several years ago, and there there was talks about trying to get get a recognition, but I haven't heard anything since then. Oh, I see. Okay. Uh, so, um, tell me about a little more about the research. Uh, what what has been studied, and what find what are the findings that have been uncovered? So, a lot of the research focuses on climate change, warming temperatures, and less water. So, they're doing how plants are responding to heat. So having a cover go over stuff at the end of the day and see how these plants are responding to warmer temperatures or removing 25% of the water or 50% of the water and seeing how they respond to that. And then in another location, adding that 25% and that 50% back to see how these species are going to respond. Um, so it's pretty it's pretty interesting to you know to watch some of these research projects and there's you know mammal studies small mammal studies that go into this as well you know how are these how are the numbers from one year to another that we're catching just to kind of give us a baseline idea um, there are several plant species like creosote um, that are creeping north as it warms so they're finding out some interesting stuff and you know there's there's some cultural resource sites that have been uncovered because of research. So it's pretty interesting. You know, we're trying to to find new data, but then we find old data that gives us some information about things that went on here in the past. So um, tell me a little more about the uh, wildlife that's found on the refuge. Uh, You've got desert bighorn sheep. Yes, and Rocky Mountain bighorn sheep, too. We have both subspecies that can be found on the refuge. Um, Pronghorn, mule deer, mountain lions, black bear, elk. Um, We have a huge diversity. We have every native species of mammal in New Mexico on Savieta, as well as oryx and barberry, which barberry sheep, which are an invasive species that were were introduced species (coughs) <coughs> to New Mexico in the late 60s, early 70s. And and you're and uh, those have accommodated. You're not attempting to <laughs> to rid yourself of those introduced people. Um, we we will be in the future. We're under new management and we're changing directions with some of the things. And that is something that we will be addressing is getting rid of those invasives. Um, we also have a trespass. Like I mentioned earlier, we have a cow adjacent to the visitor center. There's places on the landscape that there's probably 15 or 20 cows and and horses as well that are feral. Um, And so trying to get the fences repaired and get these animals off the landscape so those native species have a stronger chance of survival because they're all competing for the same resources. And uh, I assume you have some Mexican wolves? 
not in the wild. We have an acclimation pen for them, several pens on site um, where they stay for breeding purposes and purposes before they ship them out to another location or something of sort. Oh, is there a plan? And so that, that, that component, that Mexican wolf program, is managed by um, ecological services, so a different component than, than we. We are just the land base and, and help them out with some of their um, projects and stuff, but when it comes to the, the management of the wolf, it's not done here at Savieta. And there's no plan to introduce them in the future? No, there is not. It's too close to urban areas. Oh, I see. Now, his, historically, they were here, yes, until we did a, you know, the anti-predator campaign that happened, um, getting rid of a lot of the predators here in the area. So the wolves were not one that recovered well. The bear and the mountain lion seemed to, to come back okay. Uh-huh. Uh, how about birds? Uh, I, I gather the willow flycatcher uh, comes up and... Spends the what spends the winter there. They're a summer bird here. Oh. They nest in this area. Uh-huh. So the southwestern willow flycatcher is an endangered species that we're doing work along the river for, trying to improve its habitat by getting rid of salt cedar and replacing it with Gooding's willows. Why? Why does the salt cedar? Oh, it's an. Is that an invasive plant? Yes, the salt cedar is an invasive plant that was introduced, um, oh, I don't know, to prevent stream bank erosion, and it consumes a lot of water, and so a, a lot of times when it drops its leaves, needles, it makes the soil acidic and makes it hard for other things to continue to grow. So, you know, we're already in a drought, so we want to get rid of those species that are sucking up a lot of water. So you get rid of the salt cedar and replant or replace it with um, Gooding's black willows. Those birds are going to nest in there. They the birds like the salt cedar because it's comparable to the willow in terms of where they build their nest and the tree structure. Uh, are there any other rare or unusual birds that uh, come in there? Um, yellow-billed cuckoos are also in the area. Um, those are really the big endangered species that we have here on the refuge in terms of birds. Um, so, you know, a lot of people assume we have sandhill cranes because we're adjacent to Bosque del Apache and adjacent to a state area that does, but we only get cranes to fly over. We don't have suitable habitat for them. Are there, are there birding groups that come up there and uh, do sightings? Yes, um, there are lots of birders. That's our biggest user group here would be birders. Um, you know, a, a bird shows up that someone hasn't seen in a while, and half the country's out here before you know it, it seems. Um, but there, you know, there are lots of individuals who are good birders who are out here quite frequently and, and share that info with their friends. And there's always people out birding all the time in the morning. And what kind of, what kind of reptiles do you find on the refuge? Oh, gosh. Um, we have some horned lizards. We have New Mexico whiptails, fence lizards. I mean, we have a whole huge diversity of lizards that live out here. And then also, of course, um, diamondback rattlesnakes are, I don't want to say real common, but they are in the area. Uh-huh. 
And so we just encourage our visitors to be safe. You know, I have warning, snake warning signs out so we don't have any issues. And, and this time of year, um, people want to come out and photograph the hummingbirds because they love to sit on the feeders and we get a whole slew of them. And uh, are, there, are there some amphibians as well uh, along the rivers? Yes, there are going to be amphibians along the rivers. We have some nice turtles and um, various other cool things that hang out down there, salamanders, stuff like that that you're going to see. So everybody loves water. Everybody needs water. So um, we have huge diversity. Um, when when Campbell was here, he drilled a bunch of wells for the the people who were moving their cattle yeah. and sheep. And the refuge has taken over most of them. Some of them have collapsed and whatnot, but we're converting them to natural-style drinkers. So the wildlife has a place to drink because we only have a few natural springs out there. And with climate change, you can't always count on those having uh, water for the, the wildlife. And what kinds of unusual so, plants, what kind of unusual or endangered plants do you have out there? Um, there are, I, I'm not sure about any endangered plants that we have. Actually, I'm pretty sure we don't have any endangered plants mm -hmm. out here, but we do have some interesting ones. There's, um, it's called La Jolla Prairie Clover. It's a species that really only is endemic in this area. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of cool to see some things that only grow here. Beautiful cactus in the spring. Um, you know, the, the desert is, is a buzzing with beauty out there with all the bees and the, the flowers that are blooming. Um, I just had a researcher tell me just five minutes before I got on the phone with you that I needed to get out on the refuge because the flowers are blooming and it's beautiful out there. <laughs> so uh, is this year, is this the time of year when you get lots of visitors? You know, this is actually our slow time of year. I'm typically busier between the months of September and April because it's much cooler um, right now, with the weather being that it is, it's, you know, I don't get a lot of people that want to come out and hike too much. It'll be people who are, you know, driving by on the highway or, you know, coming out early in the morning to bird. Yeah. But my visitation usually drops from May to August. Do you do any classes or educational programs other than the... Yes, I... Go ahead. I do work with local schools. I've, uh -huh. you know, gone into the libraries and local communities. Um, I, I do offer interpretive programs for the general public to come out. So, you know, trying to get back in the swing of things after COVID really hit hard and had us shut down for like 28 months. Uh-huh. And so, so you've got a website where people can, can check in and see what, uh, what's available on the, on the refuge? Yeah, I, our website isn't the greatest. It's a work in progress. We're always trying to make updates to it, and just when we get the hang of it, they change the platform. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know what that is. Right. Um, we have a great friends group, the Amigos de la Savieta, that helps support a lot of our education programs and our volunteer programs, and they post stuff on their website, all of our programs as well. Um, and, it, you know, it's nice to know that we have a, a third-party organization to help us do things you know, but make make better make a bigger impact on the landscape. Right. Well, it uh, looks like it's a, it would be a great place to come visit. Uh, I'll have to put it on my schedule. So thanks very much. Yes, we would love to have you. 
This has been great. Uh, thank you very much for the for the information about the refuge. So uh, appreciate it. Our guest today has been Janine Kimball, Visitor Services Manager of the Sevilleta National Wildlife Refuge, 20 miles north of Socorro, New Mexico. This has been Wilderness and Wildlife and presentation of the Gallatin Wildlife Association in Bozeman, Montana. To hear more of these half-hour interviews, go online to js-wilderness.com and see additional features of our website. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Jay Shell.